You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, folks. It's time again for the ESO Book Club. Get your smoking jackets on, get your tea and your pinkies up, and we're going to be a little bit of highbrow, and we are going to be talking all about this time by Ira Levin. It's a book called This Perfect Day. Ira Levin, for those who know, has written quite a few books. He's written Rosemary's Baby, The Boys from Brazil, um, quite a few others that are quite popular. And it's just amazing that, you know, I had never heard of this book, but we have Judy Faber joining us this week and she had her pick for books. She's really wanted us to read this one for quite some time. So she is now part of the ESO Network Book Club and she'll be in rotation with us. So it should be a lot of fun. Kirby will be here also, but of course, couldn't do the show without this person, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. Do you want to do it as a New Englander, though? <laughs> you don't say, uh, you know what? That's how I used to do it. I am a New Englander, sir, and that's how I do it. So there you go. Well, I just did it as a... Uh, that's a question I've always had for you. How the heck did you pick up Howdy if you were from New England? Did you watch a little too much Hee Haw or something? I, I, was, I was always uh, crazy. So, um, yes. Okay. I was always different. I was always going up against the grain, you know, going up against it, going against the grain, not up against it. Although <laughs> I was going up against it. Um, so, uh, yeah. Kind of, what, no. kind of what this book's about that we're talking about, too. Absolutely. No, I am very excited to talk about this book. Uh, and so it was a good choice. And, uh, yeah, it's one that was not on my radar at all. And that's, uh, that's what this whole book club's about. That is awesome, my friend. I might sound a little different to everybody out tonight. We are using a different portable uh, microphone tonight because we are up in the wilds of Maine, of all places. Judy and I are on vacation, and the podcast must go on. So we are here in a hotel room in Booth Bay Harbor. And, you know, so we're coming to you, you know, real far apart because usually. Mike and I are talking in Atlanta to each other, but, you know, still not in the same room. You know, we're not allowed to do that kind of, you know, because of the contracts and such. But, you know, we're basically, you know, in the same state, in the same area. But no, now we're a couple, like maybe like 1,500 miles away from each other. <laughs> that's, that's, that's still too close. Okay. That's good to know. But we want you guys to be close to us. So please write us at EarthStation1 at ESONetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Also want to give a quick shout out to our friends over at the ESO Network Patreon. Thank you, thank you for everyone who has been joining us. And we've gotten a few new uh, subscribers up there. And, you know, you guys are getting... This podcast, Earth Station One, you're getting Earth Station Who, and you're also getting the Dragon Con report 48 hours before everybody else. You know, it's a little bit of a plus, a little bit of a change for our regular listeners. You know, 
everyone else still can hear this on Fridays. Earth Station One comes out usually Earth Station Who on Saturday, and the Dragon Con report comes out whenever we do it. So you know it's still going to be available for free, but our patrons get that as a little bit of a bonus. And we're going to have more and more rewards out for the patrons. So definitely, you know, for as little as 25 cents a week, that's right. For a dollar a month, you can help support the ESO network. And Earth Station One is a proud member, is the founding member of the ESO network. And we thank you so very much for everyone who's been joining us. Thank you. Thank you. So with that being said, though, you know, we want to hear always, you know, what's going on in the world and stuff. And there's a lot going on, but you know, it's interesting because I've been trouncing around Mike's old home grounds and such his home state for almost what, four days now, Mike, it's been pretty interesting up here in new England. Yeah. It's uh it's one of those things I haven't, it's weird. Cause I have not been back home. I still call it home. Isn't it weird? Even mm-hmm. though I haven't been there in like 20 some years. Uh, I mean, I've been there to visit, but uh, I haven't lived there for, Ooh, wow. I left in 90. Wow. That's a, <laughs> dude, that's 30 years. <laughs> yeah. 30, three, zero. That's amazing. I have spent, it's, it's weird to, to think that I've spent more of my life like outside of Massachusetts than now that I have like growing up and being in Massachusetts. So that's, that's very strange. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, you know what? It's something that uh, I've always been proud of growing up there. Um, well, I should say that I've always been. I, I shouldn't say that because when I when I was growing up in, in this little town called Winchenden, Massachusetts, um, and uh, if um, I think they call them like people who live there Winchies now. I don't know if that's true, but I don't know. It sounds weird to me. I think but, there was um, a donut shop named that too. Uh, um, but, uh, growing up in, in Winchenden, I think I, 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 every day I wanted to get out of there. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so I, that's weird uh, to think that, uh, I don't know. It was always a nice place to grow up and, um, and, uh, it's, I'm proud of, of being a New Englander. I'm proud of being, you know, being a Boston Red Sox fan, a Bruins fan, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Even a Patriots fan. Um, but, uh, I do think that, um, uh, I, I just don't think I could live there uh, anymore, but um, I, I just, I, I'm yearning to visit a lot. So I'll be probably back up in the next couple months at some point because uh, yeah, I've been itching to, to go back. So I'm kind of jealous that you're, you're back up there and you get to do like, you're doing like touristy things, right? You're oh, like God, going yeah. and having lobster and all that kind of stuff, right? Oh yeah. Lobster rolls. We did that as soon as we got off the airplane. <laughs> did you, did you, what did you just go to the airport? Yeah. They had him at a place in the airport. Here you go. Here's your lobster roll. Of course. We we looked for the first place and said, you have lobster? <laughs> you got lobster rolls here, man. You got chowder? You got lobster? Oh, uh, no, no, no. We went actually to South Boston to go get lobster rolls. Good choice. Yes. And it was a lot of fun. And it was good. Yeah. We did a lot of, you know, like Saturday we went to... We had lunch, we had the lobster rolls, we had clam chowder, we had lobster mac and cheese, and it was a lot of great stuff. And it was a place called Lobster on a Roll. It was awesome. Couldn't get much simpler than that. Nope. Not that we're being paid to advertise for these people. You know, that would that would be even better, but no. <laughs> right. But it was cool. And then we were going to, you know, go over to Quincy Market 
and check that out. But then we were driving through Boston and Judy had never been to Boston Commons before. And so, and it was a gorgeous day. It was truly a gorgeous day. So we got out, parked the car and we walked sure. around. There were the ducks. Oh, of course we saw the ducks <laughs> and we saw the swan boats. The duck boats. Are they duck boats or swan boats? Uh, well, there's, there's, it depends on what you're talking about, but yes, there are, there are swan boats and there are duck boats. too. No, the swan boats are the boats that, you know, they have around the lake in the park. And we did where we did see the duck boats did you go on them. No, 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 no. But every, it was awesome. The park was packed and we just had a blast. We walked around, looked at all the different statues. Judy was ooing and aahing over every dog she saw. And, you know, it was just, it was just a blast. And then we walked, you know, across the street and we saw what used to be known as the bull and finch. And, you know, it's for those who technically, don't know. Technically, it still is. Um, I Technically, yes, but it says Cheers on the outside. Oh, sure, because that's how people know it, yes. Yeah, exactly. And it has the Cheers logo, and it even has a Cheers gift shop in the what used to be the restaurant upstairs. And so it, it, it was kind of fun and to see. We didn't go into the bar. I did that years and years ago. And, you know, I was telling Judy, though, that it doesn't look anything like cheers from the tv no show. it's a tight squeeze too yeah oh it's very much it's like this all brick and it's just like yeah not much room to you know move around so yeah it was a lot of fun to do that and then um we did go do some of the freedom trail stuff and we got to see the old north church and paul revere's house and we also then got to see the uss constitution which was awesome. And then we went to Bunker Hill and I never had been to Bunker Hill before. I never even realized that Bunker Hill was that close or as part of Boston. I always thought, you know, Bunker Hill was up around Concord or, you know, up that way. So it was actually really neat to see, you know, being a history buff, it was just a blast to see. That's cool. Now, now you've been to Boston and in New England before, right? Yeah, plenty of times. Okay. But is this Judy's first time? It's Judy's third time in Boston, but it was the first time to do touristy stuff. Gotcha. Because like the first time we had, we were going to a wedding and we just went to Quincy Market, and so we were driving out to the Berkshires out in Western Massachusetts the first time, and so and then the second time we were doing a cruise and we were leaving from Boston. So, you know, those were two brief visits. This is, we actually had a full day there. And probably we could even spend more time in Boston. There's just so much to do. We barely scratched oh, yeah. the surface. Heck, I grew uh, up there and I, you know, never ran out of stuff to do. And so, you know, then yesterday we were down in uh, Providence, Rhode Island, visiting Judy's nephew. And, you know, it was crappy weather. And I do mean crappy cold rainy and you know temperatures like almost right above freezing and this is may folks you know and so it was raining but we went down to uh newport rhode island and got to see all the mansions we got to see one of the oldest synagogues in the country and then we got to go along the ocean road which was really cool and then they had a um, i guess it's a fort that's there 
down in Newport, and we went and explored the, the fort a little bit in the rain. Again, really cold. And then after we dropped um, Judy's nephew off, we said, "What? where else do you want to go? And it was like four or five o'clock, and Judy was like, I don't know. And I said, do you want to go out to Cape Cod? And so I looked to see how far it would be to go like to Jamestown or something, all the way out to the tip. And um, it was way too far. It was like a two-hour drive. So we instead, we went to Plymouth Rock after. And because Plymouth Rock was only like an hour from where we were. And literally, it's a rock. And, you know, they have like cabins where, where the pilgrims built their houses and everything like that. They had an Indian statue. And it's like the statue should be the Indian crying. I'm oh, sorry, Native American <laughs> or indigenous species. And, you know, however you want to say it. But it was a lot of fun to go out. And it literally was, it was a rock that said 1620 on it. That's it. Yeah. And, you know. It's not near as big as it. You know, people always go, like, that's what, like, they landed on. And it's like, no, it was huge. But over the years, people keep, like, chipped away at it for souvenirs. So they had to put a big old fence and stuff around it. So Mm -hmm. not even near half is what it was. A long time. Exactly, and I truthfully, I don't think the sh- the ship actually hit Plymouth Rock. No, probably not. <laughs> no, not like the Schoolhouse Rock showed it. You know, <laughs> hey, yeah, exactly. So you know, that's how we learned about it. it. It wasn't as grand, but it was it was neat to see. And then, you know, last night, then we got to watch Game of Thrones. We'll talk about that next week. So it should be a lot of fun. But and then uh, today we drove up to Maine. And so that's where we are currently. And we, you know, drove up the coast and it's just gorgeous. And Judy's never been up this far into Maine. So it was just a lot of fun to, you know, experience the weather was gorgeous. You know, and then we, you know, did some helping the economy up here by shopping at L.L. Bean. (laughs) And, you know, and then, you know, we wandered the town of Booth Bay Harbor where we're at currently staying. and. Tomorrow we'll be hanging out with family, and I think we're going to be going down to Bath, Maine. They have a great maritime museum down there, and you know, probably see what other sites there are going to be, and you know, maybe we might have to fight a little bit of snow. Snow in May, wow! We are in Maine, so hey. Yeah, well, it's that's uh, that yeah, that's prime season. Mm-hmm. It should be interesting, and then uh, Wednesday. We'll be probably slowly going back down the coast because we've got a graduation on Thursday at Rutgers down in New Jersey. So we'll be so down. Yeah, you'll be you're, you're zipping there. around. Yeah, east the east, the northeast. Well, it's I felt bad because you know we got a nice, really nice rental car, and it literally was brand new. It had seven miles on it. It already has almost five hundred miles on it. <laughs> <laughs> You are wearing it out. Oh, you know what? That's what rental cars are for. How is it? How do you feel like uh, driving in New England compared to driving around Georgia? Um, depends. Um, Rhode Island drivers are really bad. Really <laughs> bad. Scary bad. They were like pulling out into intersections. You know, stop signs are optional. We found out. And 
but it was it was just it's interesting um boston drivers very courteous and um some of them actually <laughs> some of us even some of them even stopped for us to cross the street we were actually <laughs> when we were walking so you know otherwise you know you know, we put our lives in our hands but yeah no i grew up you know in the northeast so i'm used to driving with you know a lot of these people and a lot of them moved to georgia so of course so and uh, that's uh, that's part of the problem of atlanta traffic too um well, of course you know they wanted but, uh, to get away from the snow as you like to tell us uh, yeah absolutely um but well, very cool well i'm glad that that uh my home state and the all of new england is treating the favors well oh it's been a blast and you know you never know we might be back here sooner than later we enjoy, we're really enjoying ourselves up here well awesome so it's cool and you know if anyone well, everyone, will be, by the time you hear this, we'll probably be close to home. So, sorry, I was going to say send suggestions what to do. Because, you know, we've been always trying to, you know, look through the guidebooks or online, you know, what to do in the different towns. And there's a lot of great stuff. You know, we could definitely, in each state, we could even say we could spend a week alone. And because there's just so much to do. And, you know, like here in Maine, we're right before tourist season. So, you know, a lot of the touristy things are very sparse right now because, you know, not everybody's even, they're getting ready for Memorial Day because that's when their seasons open up here. One of these days we should do a shout out or I'm sure we could get the stats and we should find out how many listeners we have in each state. I'm sure we probably could find out. And, you know, I don't want to be that disappointed though, you know, what? <laughs> you know, what three listeners in Idaho? Oh, well, that would be amazing if we had three in Idaho. Yeah, I know. I would expect like, you know, none. <laughs> I'll take three. Mm-hmm. Look, if we have, if we have at least three listeners in 50 States, that's way more listeners than I ever thought we'd have. Oh dude. If you only knew. <laughs> you know we have we have more listeners in zimbabwe than we have in idaho wow to to, to think that people might be listening to us to learn english that's scary mm-hmm, exactly they also learn how to stutter they also have learn how to mess up names and everything it's awesome it's a perfect way for people to learn english but you know it's a great thing and you know i love the accents up here but the one thing I will tell you, and I'm going to be completely honest and open on this one, and Judy even said this, people have been very, very friendly. You know, we've noticed, haven't really had any bad experiences. You know, people have been very nice. People have been great. And that's not even in the tourist areas. You know, we've just been meeting some great, great people. And, you know, who knows? Just, you know, I'm very impressed about the hospitality of the people of New England. So total thumbs up. <clears throat> well, it's a it's a good area. So mm-hmm. exactly. So I thought you'd like to hear that. Absolutely, and I'm glad everybody else heard it too. At exactly. least those people who are listening. Those three exactly. people in Idaho. And exactly. Idaho. But with that being said, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back in a moment. And we have the geek seat. Hey. 
this is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. As the summer movie season continues on here, we've got a new movie out in theaters this weekend, which is John Wick 3. Now, one of my movie confessions is that I actually haven't seen any of the John Wick movies yet, but I'm starting to get major fear of missing out syndrome because I keep hearing a lot about these movies. The interesting thing is that I don't think that anyone really expected this franchise to become a trilogy, but I feel like the first one really blew up. And the newest sequel is actually getting a 98% score on Rotten Tomatoes, which is pretty amazing. I don't feel like there's a lot I can say about this movie because I feel like by this point, if you're going to see it, you know what you're getting into or you haven't seen it like me, and but you're kind of curious based on everything you've heard. So I'm hoping this summer to get caught up on this whole series. Um, looks like it has a great cast, some really great choreographed fights, and this new one also has a chase scene on horseback. So how can you top that? In theaters this weekend, we also have a movie called A Dog's Journey, and I feel like we've already seen this movie several times already. It seems like I've been seeing trailers for a lot of similar dog-themed movies recently, but this one apparently has Josh Gad voicing a dog, so there's that. And finally, in theaters, we have The Sun is Also a Star, a romantic drama based on a young adult novel about two teenagers who connect in New York City. I've actually read the book version of this story, and it was pretty good, so I'll probably check it out on DVD. And speaking of DVD this week, we have the movie Cold Pursuit, which is an action thriller starring Liam Neeson, who's trying to get revenge on a drug lord. And we also have a documentary called Apollo 11, which is, of course, about the moon landing. And that's it for this week. If you're looking for more entertainment-related content, be sure to check out my blog, boxofficebuzzab.wordpress.com. Going to be reviewing most of the major movies this summer, and of course, we've still got lots to come. Love ELO? Of course you do. What kind of dim-witted jughead doesn't? Then listen to Face the Music, an Electric Light Orchestra song-by-song podcast. Every week, I, Eric Paul Johnson, and my co-host, Eric Winsensen, take a song by the Electric Light Orchestra, give the song facts, the history, discuss, tear apart, dig deep into the song itself, give our opinions, chart facts about the singles, and we even consult with the future of humanity on their opinion of the Electric Light Orchestra. I love it! So if you don't want to be a dim-witted jughead, then listen to Face the Music, an Electric Light Orchestra song-by-song podcast. Episodes post every Saturday at midnight Eastern Time and can be heard at iTunes, Podomatic, Stitcher, Google Play, and TuneIn. That was stupid as a butthead. Hey everyone, welcome back to Earth Station One. Now we are f- back with our new friend, Adam DeColibus. Welcome to the show. Hey man, thanks a lot. Yes, welcome to the station. For those people who may not be familiar with you, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure thing. So my name is Adam DeColibus. I'm an author from California. I write uh, historical slash literary fiction with a little bit of a twist to it and a bit of a moral. And uh, I've got a book coming out soon. And um, yeah, that's who I am. And uh, that's what I write. Very cool. Yeah, that's uh, so um, you said historical. So it's, it's, is it like with a twist? So is it is it alternative history? 
Well, not not with the twist. Although I do, I have thought about that. Um, although it is, it's based, it's based in history. Um, but by twist, I mean that it, it usually has a bit of a mystery, or it usually has um, uh, a very a very strong plot twist to it. Gotcha, gotcha. So the stories themselves, not the, yeah. not not the not the actual the actual events, right? Yeah, yeah. Is there any period of uh, of history that you that you that fascinates you more than like others? Well, um, in general, the the period of World War One really fascinates me. But uh, to be honest, I'm just a big I'm a big history guy, um, or uh, just a history geek. I'm really into all 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 time periods. But I'm I really found myself getting interested in World War One because it's just a such an overlooked period of time. And for the amount of impact that it had on the world at that time, I don't think it gets uh as much attention as it should. And I just I just have a lot of interest for that time period. Now, um the new book, uh Caravan, um what uh what period of history is the setting for that one? It's set uh, actually just after World War One, so and I chose that exact time. I I went back and forth between uh, the time period of during the First World War or or just after, but before World War Two, and I chose after because I wanted to to paint this idea of the backdrop of this great war and and what it would have been like. So it happens just uh, just after the First World War. Okay, cool. And and can you tell us a little bit about the, the, the story or the characters? Yeah. So Caravan is a novel about a, uh, a man from England who was a photographer during the First World War. Um, he, was a, he was a journalist. And at the beginning of the story, he gets uh, hired by this magazine to go across the Sahara with this caravan and photograph the desert and photograph the people and the culture. And while he's traveling, he falls in love with the desert and the caravan, and he becomes a little bit obsessed with the silence and the peace that he finds there. Um, and this really allows him to just start putting himself back together and, and learning things about the world and about life. Um, and the the two the two um, comparisons that I give people, and by the way, these you know my story doesn't compare to these great artworks. Um, would be Lawrence of Arabia, the film meets uh, The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. So it's kind wow. of like it's kind of like that mix of adventure and um travel in the desert with this introspective um learning about yourself and the world. Yeah, as soon as you started talking about that time period, my mind instantly went to uh Lawrence of Arabia. Mm-hmm. And uh also there was a oh now I can't remember the name of it. I'm sorry, I'm gonna ruin it. But um there's a there's some sort of movie I think that takes place uh somewhere in there too that uh, that's a classic with uh, Clark Gable and and uh, oh yeah yeah, um, yeah. anyway mm-hmm. um, so but on to like so now is this um, is this is this this isn't your first novel is it is it actually yes yes it is okay yeah. cool okay I was wondering if you'd picked other time periods to to do other plots on or um, or if uh, if this was your first one so yeah yeah no this is my first one and I I. I thought of a lot of different um, time periods to put the story in. And I've, I also just think about a lot of different time periods in general, just to write it in, because I really just think that history is so, it's so rich with ideas, man. Like if you're ever, if you're ever, if you're a writer and you're stumped, just go read a history book and you'll think, wow, there's some guy who did that. That's a great character. (laughs) 
and uh, yeah, I just I just chose that one. Now, do you read a lot of of historical fiction, or do you read just mainly like nonfiction books? I I'd say I have a pretty well balanced uh, balanced diet of both. So I I read uh, uh, both historical fiction and uh, nonfiction, uh, both pretty pretty uh, frequently. So I would say I would say yes to historical fiction and, and yes also to nonfiction. I was going to say, are there any particular um, ones that are more influential to you, or or things that you aspire to, or you find inspiration from? Mm, you know, out of those two, it's it's really strange. I find I find inspiration from both. If I'm reading a a a, a, a novel, I usually tend to find inspiration out of how the author and how how the story makes me feel. Because if it has a really strong impact on me, I feel like, wow, I want to make somebody feel like this. Or I, or I just have the most amount of respect for uh, the craft or the author or the story. Um, and if it's nonfiction, I, it's weird. It all ties into the same mis- mission of just wanting to write good fiction. I usually think of, oh, I could use this for a story. Or, oh, this would be uh, uh, an interesting character. Or, oh, you know, this is a good uh, time period to research. So I'd say, um, yeah, I both have a really powerful inf- uh, impact on me. Awesome. Well, um, I think he's just about ready, Mike. There's just one more question we have to ask before we strap you in the seat. Um, and that is where can people find this book? How can they get a copy of it, man? Yeah. So, uh, Caravan is going to be out here in about uh, a month. So, uh, mid June is what we're thinking. We, we actually ran into some problems a while back in, uh, uh, it, it pushed forward the publication date, but good news is that it's going to be coming out here soon. Um, but you're going to be able to find it Amazon first. That's the best place to go and get it. Uh, but shortly after, it will be available everywhere. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we will definitely uh, have links to uh, that on our show notes. Mike, I, I think I think it's re- I think he's ready. I mean, as ready as he can be. Are you sure he's ready? You know, some people always come to us like all like, oh, yeah, this geeksy thing. I can handle it. <laughs> you know, Mr. Gordon. He's into, you know, history and such. Should we introduce him to the Iron Maiden of <laughs> of seats called the Geek Seat? <laughs> All right, Adam. Are you ready for your first question? You bet. What was your favorite geek out moment? I remember going to uh, this one. I don't remember the name of the museum, but I remember going to this big um museum in london actually a couple years back and i just remember walking through every section of the museum and just being amazed by everything because not because well yes because i'm looking at amazing history that's in some cases thousands of years old and in other times because i just i i everything had a connection with my brain so the way my brain works is if i read something my mind will just file it and put it in the cabinet and if I see anything remotely having to do with it, it'll pull it out of the cabinet. And uh, while I was walking out of this, um, while I was walking in this museum, all the files were being opened. And uh, it was just, that was a true geek out moment if I had to call it that. Oh, that is awesome. You know, I loved when I was a kid going to museums and the history and how every room was different. Mm. And it, was, it just always was magical. But speaking of magical, what was your most disappointing geek out moment? Ooh, most disappointing. Um, 
You know, I don't have a have a particular one that I can call to, but I can definitely say the ones where I come across a really interesting subject and I go to do more research on it. And just because it's a really obscure topic and there's no um there's no not a lot of research done, that always disappoints me because I'm like, God, this is so interesting. And uh uh I don't know, there wouldn't be a particular one, but I would say it's uh when there's something that I'm interested in and there's no um no research done on it that just oh plus it always surprises me it's a good point too because it's always frustrating because you think the internet has everything and then you like you'll type something in going oh i want to find out more about this and there's nothing and you're like really yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're like going um wait a second you know i'm here and you know I, i want to know this why isn't there you know, I need this information. Hmm. What geeks you out the most? I would say World War II history. Actually, actually, uh, World War One, World War One, and World War Two—they really geek me out. Uh, that's just been a a time period that I've just been so interested in in my life that I've just I've done so much research on it. Um, yeah, just that that geeks me out. No, totally understand that. <laughs> Totally understand that. But what turns your geek off? I, you know, that one took me a minute to think about. Um, I would say it's math. I cannot get geeked out about math. Like I, I, I know people who can, and you know, they they study these equations and they, you know, they print them on t-shirts. On uh, t-shirts, they go, "Wow, man, this is the most beautiful equation ever." And I'm like, "Okay, cool. You got your numbers. I'm gonna go learn about World War II." <laughs> That's cool. That is really, really cool. What fictional character would you like to meet the most? Oh, I'd have to. I'd have to say Jack Sparrow. I'd have to say Jack Sparrow. Really? Yeah. Or which movie? Oh, uh, you know what? I think he's the best in the first. So I'd have to go in the first uh, of the series. I think that if just by meeting just by meeting him, you're going to go on. Uh, you're going to go on an adventure. Mm-hmm. At least you have heard of me. <laughs> One of the best lines ever. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. What fictional character would you like to meet the least? I'm. I'm forgetting the name of of the character, but I think it's. I think he's the guy from American Psycho. Oh yes. Yeah. No. Wouldn't wouldn't, wouldn't be a nice guy. <laughs> Christian Bale's character. Yes, yes. Yeah, yes, I haven't actually yes. seen that movie. Oh, it is an awesome movie. Oh, I don't remember what his name is, and I'm sure people are going to write us in and go, "Dummies, his name is blah blah." That's how that's how our podcast is interacted. We we say something stupid, and our listeners say, "Dummies." <laughs> it's it's constructive feedback. It's constructive feedback. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we construct it, and they leave feedback, which is awesome. <laughs> And you know what? At least they're listening. So that's the best part about it. Mm-hmm. So it's actually awesome. What is your favorite geek word, phrase, quote, or pose? I'm going to have to quote um, the Big Bang Theory and say it's Bazinga. Really? Yeah. Sheldon's, Sheldon's thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know why. It's just, it's catchy. <laughs> No, totally understand that. 
totally understand that. I'm sure, you know, Bazinga has caught on and it's funny when you hear it now, other people using it and it's like, oh, you know what they watch. <laughs> what is your ideal geek occupation? Oof. I would probably say it would be really interesting to to work at a museum. And I don't know if it would be ideal, but it would be really just interesting because you'd be you'd be you'd have the responsibility of taking care of all this all this all these uh artifacts from the past. And I think that you just would learn so much more and get so so much more insight about the past by by having to take care of it. Um that would be a really interesting uh really interesting job. Yeah, totally understandable. Totally understandable. It's pretty interesting because, you know, to do the research and to find out all this information. Really cool. What job would you not like to do though? Probably probably uh again a mathematician of some kind <laughs> i think we're i think we're sensing a pattern here <laughs> uh, yeah yeah <laughs> we, we will not ask you to do our checkbook for the station yeah <laughs> no, no no understandable all right adam are you ready for your final question in the geek seat go for it all right you've been warned this is for all the marbles just remember that so this answer. This is how people are going to remember you for centuries to come. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, so, you know, you'll still be tied to the geek seat, but you know, for centuries, <laughs> you know, once you're done, you're not done. But you know, you can. You, we'll, we'll let your fingers out so you can write somewhere. So it's yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. That that that'll be good. Yeah, but you're you're not getting up. Uh, ready for it? What yeah. is your ultimate geek fantasy? Oof ultimate geek fantasy it would probably you know what one person kind of asked me a question similar to that believe it or not and i say it would be to to know what actually happened uh uh to president kennedy really so, yeah I, that question like i'm i'm i don't avoid conspiracy theories but I just don't get interested in, and not because you know it's a conspiracy theory, but just because the idea of you know not not like knowing something, or there's just so many theories about something that's so complex and it'll never be solved. That just it, it keeps me up at night, and I would just love like even if even if you know in this in this fantasy, if I got to see the truth behind it, I could never tell anybody, and I would even forget it. It would be worth it because it, it I would just just to know the answer of what actually happened, that would be just so interesting. Hmm. Interesting. You know, I think if one day people would actually find out, you know, you, and you could be the one who does it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then <laughs> these guys in black, you know, black suits and sunglasses will just show up at your door. Um, Mr. Adam, can you please come with us? <laughs> and that's that was it. the last time we heard from him. Yeah, yeah. Then I'll be in the real geek seat. <laughs> oh, should know. That's the hot seat, dude. Yeah, yeah. Big difference. Yeah. Big, big difference. Geek seat is fun, enjoyable. We treat you right. Hot seat, not so much. But we, Adam, we do have some good news for you. 
You have made it through the Geek Seat. Congratulations! Mr. Mike Gordon, tell the young man what he's won. You have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network, a value easily worth $8.60. Ooh, he really Yeah, well. What am I going to do? It's those damn tariffs. (laughs) Oh, understandable. Understandable. And for those who need to know, Christian Bale's character... In American Psycho, <laughs> was Patrick Bateman. There we go. Okay. There we the go. The joy of the internet. So, yes. so no hate mail, please. Thank you. Google works. Well, very cool, Adam. It's great to be having you on the station for this segment. Uh, tell us where we can find you online. Sure thing, yeah. Uh, thanks Thanks again for having me on. I've, I've had a lot of fun, uh, even in the geek seat. <laughs> um, yeah, you can find me at Adam DeColibus, uh, and you can get the spelling from the show notes uh, at Instagram, uh, Facebook, and Twitter, but I'm most active on Instagram. Uh, I go live uh, once a week on Wednesday, so if you got any questions or you just want to hear me ramble about what I've been reading, uh, go ahead and uh, follow me on Instagram. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. We will definitely have links to that in the show notes and yes, give him a follow on Instagram. I, I'm checking out his, his pictures as we speak and they're, yeah, they're quite scenic. So um, very cool. Well, thank you, sir. And uh, I guess Mike, we will be going to. That's right. We're going report, to a book report. Right? Our yeah, book we're going to read a book. Exactly. Awesome. So. It's time to do the ESO book club. So let's take a quick break. Judy will come. Kirby will come. And we'll be back in a moment. See you then. Did you know the ESO Network has a brand new Patreon? That's right. We're asking for your help, and you could do it for as little as a dollar a month. Don't fret, all your favorite shows will still be available for free as always, but now you can get exclusive podcasts and more not heard anywhere else but on our Patreon. To sign up for the ESO Network, Patreon's easy. All you have to do is click on the link on the top navigation of the ESO Network website or go to patreon.com slash ESO Network. With your support of the ESO Network, it's you who will reap the rewards. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Earth Station One podcast. Now it is time for our book club segment. And this time we are looking at This Perfect Day by Ira Levin. And this pick was done by Judy Faber. So she's joining us this week. Hi everybody. So Judy, why did you pick this one? Um, I read this book for the first time when I was... I was pretty young. I, I think I had told Kirby about this. Uh, my sister, who's six years older than me, had taken a class in high school reading um, science fiction. It was for an English class. And um, every book that she had to read for the class, I would pick up afterwards and read after her. So this one, um, there was a lot about it that I really did not understand. I mean, the the book made sense to me, but in terms of um, what's really going on and the significance of things didn't really get to me at that point. So about 15 years ago, I read it again and was pretty blown away 
Um, and now with just things going on with the world and the way dystopian fiction is um, is being applied, um, I thought it was a good idea to, to read it again and see what everybody else thought. That's awesome. That is really awesome. This book blew me away from reading it because you've been you've been wanting me to read this one for quite some time. Yeah, I've tried. Yes. <laughs> so you got the book club to. <laughs> so what about you guys? You know, we have Kirby joining us, and of course, Mike Gordon's here. So what about you guys? Is this your first time reading this? Yeah, but I I had never heard of it until uh, you you came up with it for podcast uh, and i i really had never even you know i've never seen or read rosemary's baby or any of eleven's not novels or the films i haven't uh, either <laughs> so uh i'm i was kind of skeptical because i'm going wait a second this guy's rosemary's baby and step for wives and he wrote a science fiction book mm-hmm. he, also, he also did boys from brazil yeah and it's just yeah, I was I was so amazed. I had never heard of this book or even the author beforehand. But then when I was looking him up, I was like, okay, he's written Boys from Brazil, Stepford Wives, uh, Kiss Before Dying, Rosemary's Baby, and and he wrote the play Death Trap. And I'm like, how come I? How come this guy isn't a household name? Yeah. <laughs> Strange, strangely enough, the book itself, when it came out, received a lot of attention. I mean, it it was it, there was a lot written about it. There was there was, um, I mean, it it for some reason over the years it just kind of faded away, and I don't know exactly why. And oddly enough, I during in this was written when nineteen ninety two, the book it was yeah no it's nineteen sixty nine right? Yeah, it won, won, it won the huge award for it back in 1992. Okay. okay. Uh, it, it won uh, the Prometheus Award in 92. Right. Yeah, okay. That's what I was saying. For a long time. And it's uh, interesting because um, out of all of Levin's books, this one and Son of Rosemary are the only two that were not made into movies or TVs. Show. I'm surprised no one's looked at possibly making this. I believe it had been discussed at one point. I don't know what year that was. I just had um, I had glanced over something and, and seen that, but I don't know if it would have been done well. I, I don't know. It would be interesting to see if there would... I, I mean, Rosemary's Baby was, was done a long time ago, and it had it had a, I mean, like I said, I haven't, I haven't seen it, but it has a real reputation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if, if this would have come across properly at that time. But then again, much earlier, I mean, this was written, like, like Mike said, at the height of um, the, the Soviet Union and, and the Cold War and things like that. So um, I don't know if it would have come better then. Or I don't know if people, a lot of younger people would relate to that now. I just don't know. I could see it being made now with a few changes. I could see it being made with a lot of changes. 
<laughs> well, it's not very action packed. I mean, a lot of it's yeah. in the struggle that he has in his in his head, right? So that's that doesn't translate well. And, and and you know what? Even though I think it's one of those things, it's like um there are some really great epic uh dystopian novels out there, right? Uh like if you if you look at Brave New World or Fahrenheit 451 or 1984, but the movies that are made from these novels tend not to do well, no matter how right. well they are, um, like how well authentic or um, how well they adapt uh, a certain uh, book or whatever. They just don't seem to do well because, I mean, I don't think people want to go and see this kind of thing. Uh, they don't usually seek out this kind of thing. Well, uh, and especially nowadays, you can just yeah. turn on the news and see this kind of thing. Well, look what they've done. I mean, as far as, um, and this is so embarrassing. I'm completely blanking on the TV show right now. Hopefully you can edit my comments out of this. Um, what is it on uh, Netflix or HBO that everybody's going gone crazy for? Because it's very frightening about women being used for. What, for Handmaid's Tale? Handmaid's Tale. Thank you. Because I've read a lot. Yeah, Hulu. I've read a lot, a lot of her other stories um, and her other books, and um, I've never read Handmaid's Tale, but so much else that she's read has scared me so tremendously, especially as time has gone on. I find it, I found it so, um, just, I don't know if I, I can take it. I mean, I, I read... Years ago, I read Oryx and Crake, and now um, when I see everything that's, that's going on in terms of, like, genetic engineering with food and different things like that, it's, it's I'm too scared to pick it back up again. <laughs> I really am. So dystopian has become a difficult thing for me when I really used to enjoy it, but this book was something else. Plus, I also think that, I mean, even though this might have been, and I don't know, but it might have been kind of unique uh, for its time. Now, I think we've seen this story or something like it a lot, whether it's yeah. the ones I already mentioned. You can also, there's elements that reminded me of The Matrix in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the back of the book mentions Dr. No, which I was like really confused yeah. at until I got to the last chapter and I'm like, oh, okay, I see it now. Yeah, um, and I... I was uh, reminded of THX 1138. Sure, sure. Yep. Also, Brave New World a lot. Plus, um, a part of me throughout like the the first and second, uh, certainly through the second, and actually, I guess it was the second and third parts because it's in four parts, right? Right. Right. Uh, The second and third part, I kept waiting for like Captain Kirk and his crew to beam down and somehow like... (laughs) And somehow the computer would take over them and give them treatments and then they'd fight it off and then destroy the computer and leave all the family left to, to their own devices. I'm like, cause that's what they used to do. Like back then. Mm-hmm. It was a little more complicated yeah. than that. Prime directives. Yeah. Let's throw it out the window. Well, you know, it's funny. I've seen like a couple of Star Treks that are like this too, where they go to this, you know, seemingly perfect society where they don't have war. They don't have this, they don't have that, but they also don't have, you know, free thought either. Right. You remember there was an episode of Next Generation that um, basically they didn't have either sex. It was all one sex. 
even though each person had male or female traits. Well, well, this story's got sex. Oh, a lot of sex. (laughs) It was very... These these people are into sex big time. But only once a week. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's true. And yeah, it doesn't sound like it's that exciting. (laughs) Makes for an exciting uh, sentence. That's a a lot for people like us. Um, Well, we've only got... uh, Those lucky bastards. I know, right? (laughs) I think I need to exit from this show right now. Well... All right, so I will. Um, if that's going to upset you, then this will really. This oh, will really, I'm not upset. I'm no, no, I didn't mean upset. Part of upset. the conversation. I mean, yeah, this will. This will really like. Okay, so the if we get down to like what the plot of the story is, or what the message is, like the message is like boobs save the world. Like this, this story is about boobs. Um. Okay. Like, like if it's not for lilacs rack. Like nothing happens in this story. <laughs> like that Chip is... only jo- Chip only gets involved because he falls in love with Lilac's rack. Oh, that's just okay. I find that completely sexist. It's not sexist. It's in the book. It's actually true. <laughs> decide, no, he he decides that he wants to because he after he got cured uh-huh. at that one point at the point right and. Basically, he all of a sudden starts remembering what when he spilled the coke on the leaf, and he lifted up the leaf. Well, that's how he figured out how not to receive treatment. Right, but then he started remembering why, and his obsession became with Lilac. Well, he and, he had been in love with her, and he started remembering this, and he wanted to be with her again. Well, exactly, and he was on his way to go tell her about the islands when he, you know, when he confronted King about it and King admitted that he knew about the island. But let's be clear about this. Yeah. He doesn't fall in love with her as a person. He falls in love with her boobs. He's so like uh, obsessed with, like the first thing he says to her when they're alone is, can I, can I see your boobs? And she's like, sure. Well, and then he starts to rape her, and then she's like, "Back off." Well, no, that whole thing. That and then he later on rapes. But remember, that's that's at a different time. So to to say it like, well, there's no excuse for it. Still, no, I know there is no. She started getting Mike's Mm -hmm. right. He started, you know, getting into you know after he saw her boobs, he was he started, (laughs) and but she rebuffed him completely. Yeah, well, she was. I mean, he even mentions how like. He ends up raping her when, which I think was completely wrong. And oh, it was horrible. That's the, the thing about this book, which just made me almost want to put it down and stop yes. reading. It, yeah. I was yeah, when, you're, when your main character rapes the person, you're just yeah. kind of like, um, and, and are you supposed and then, to be rooting for him anymore? And yeah. then she goes, oh, that's okay. Yeah. And, I forget and then later... Like when he gets to the like when he gets to the the big like mountain and finds all the programmers and he's in let in the club, right. he starts having sex willy and nilly. And we don't get here's the thing where Ira I think kind of messes with us a little bit because we're kind of going, um, don't you have a wife and child? And he's just kind of like, oh, I'm going to be a programmer now. I'm having sex with all these women. It's really great, um, even though their boobs aren't as good as the one I left behind. Like he's not worried about his kid, and so I think like we're led to believe that he's like 
adopting this lifestyle. And, and then he surprises because he surprises we and the rest of like everybody else uh, by doing what he's doing. Then we like that in order to get the surprise, Ira doesn't give him, give us his point of view like he does in the rest of the book. Mm-mm. Like okay. once he arrives at the, at the mountain or whatever and gets with the people, like we lose his point of view from there on. And until, until he, he blows it up and then we get his point of view again. Right. Well, well, exactly. And that's the thing. It almost like you, we had all said, that's where the doctor knows stuff comes in. It almost okay. starts, yeah. it starts becoming, feels like it's more of a James Bond story. Right. Cause he's yes. like fighting this yeah. like super Asian guy who's made of other body parts. Exactly. Oh, that, <laughs> that character's name is Way. Oh, sorry. Way. Sorry. Thank yeah. It, it, it rhymes it with Day. Oh, yeah. Right. As all get out. Mm-hmm. Completely creepy. Yeah. Well, he's so, basically a Frankenstein monster type. Yeah. Yeah. And not, not even just because. These these athletes keep donating their bodies to him so he can stick his head on top of their bodies. But just in terms of um, power hungry, and, and I mean if that's not creepy enough, but I mean this this whole idea. But it gets back to like Mike and I were talking about this earlier. It gets back to this whole idea of this Marxist view of society, um, and. It, the the book is solidly based in a lot of ways on communism. these ideas on communism, and um, I, I mean you know there's there's this, when they talk about the the sickle um, and that symbol and um, you know I mean I'm still trying to figure out why you know it's it's Christ marks wood and way and I'm still kind of trying to figure out the whole Christ thing because it's a completely, um, it, it, I mean, the society is completely atheistic and that's what they wanted to do. But communism is like that too. And it's like this whole isolated world. Um, but way is actually being worshiped in, in a very strange kind of way. And it's that whole thing. Like what's, um, um, was it, uh, what is it that all their names, um, but, uh, Christ Marks Wooden Way led us to this perfect day. Right. Um, which is something that, that, you know, children are taught, um, this whole saying from, from the time that they're born. Um, and they, it goes into the songs that they sing. It, right. Every, goes into, whenever they're at any event or anything, they have to sing it. Right. Right. So the other, the other stuff is definitely, I mean, it's, it's, an, it's what happens with um, Chip is it's a character assassination. I mean, he basically, he basically does it to himself. Um, but in terms of what it is in terms, I, I guess in terms of dystopian um, fiction, I mean, truly, and I'm I'm not defending any of this. When when he, you know, goes into this area and he's found, and they're like, oh, you know, we we want you for this. We knew we had this feeling we'd be expecting you. I mean, they say that to him, um, but think about how he grew up in this society, and nobody 
thought anything about it. I mean, you, you pretty much had sex with whoever you wanted to have sex with. You had a girlfriend and if that girlfriend or that you had a boyfriend and if that boyfriend wanted to date somebody else, they just told you and they moved on and you had, you know, you had sex once a week. You had a boyfriend or girlfriend. You went to see it. But it was predetermined also that, you know, you didn't, you weren't ever going to get pregnant if the computer said no. You weren't getting married. You wouldn't get pregnant. Exactly. But, but, um, yeah, but it, that, and, and really like the whole decision it was like basically why, you know, get married if I'm not going to have children, you know, it's already been predetermined, Yeah. but he was a genetic freak because he had the one green eye. Well, he was a genetic mutation. Yeah. He was part of a mutation. Just like lilac is part of a mutation because um, her eyes were, you know, were, were different. We're not as um, slanted. Right. Her eyes weren't as slanted. Her, her skin was darker. Um, she had, Oops. she had breasts. Like my yeah. boobs. She had breasts. She had boobs, whatever you want to call them. Um, and in their society, she was a freak. I mean, mm-hmm. she thought of herself as ugly. Um, and so again, I'm not taking away from the other stuff, but the, the whole point of the book in terms of, I mean, like I said, in, in not, not that you take the character assassination as unimportant because it is, because oh, it is. It, it's tremendously important. Um, but the whole idea of this control of society, um, is to me, what I find most terrifying, not in the fact that this idiot guy raped this woman and she just said it was okay. Um, so yeah, that's a problem, but, but look at the rest of it as well. Okay. Obviously nobody thought anything about that. No, I just wanted, <laughs> you were hoping you were done. We were just, you know, oh, oh. Fine, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Oh my god, you should see the look Mike just gave me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I think yeah. I mean, look. I mean, look. I was kind of being a little cheeky when I said it's all about boobs, but I mean, it it is weird how it's really prevalent with this guy. And oh, I think it, there is this sort of because of the rape scene and because of that stuff too. I think I think the book is sexist. I think. Oh, it is. Uh, oh, I yeah. I don't Very know much. if I don't know if Ira himself was, but I mean, for a book that was about like you know the future in science fiction and, and and supposed to be progressive, like it's amazing how like like non-progressive some of this stuff is. Well, think about um, when And I do written. really like the fact that, um, you know, you've got this, this one society that seems to be an extreme version of communism or Marxism. Marxism. And then, and it's like, and I was, you know, um, that's about three, like three fourths of the book almost. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of reading this thinking, wow, is, 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 is he trying to, like is is Ira trying to really go against like communism here? Is he saying something about like Marxism, communism, et cetera, et cetera? And then we see the flip side of that, which seems to, when they go on the island, which is all like just chaotic capitalism at its worst. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, so here we go, here we go. Here he's like making a statement about that and how like none of it is great, right? And that there's like he doesn't really offer a balance. 
No, um, no perfect system. That's basically what the whole point of it is. Um, but in the middle of in the middle of capitalism, there's there's still. I mean, in everything. It, it's kind of a question of it in the middle of capitalism or in the in the middle of um, complete society control. Um, where does where does the fine line exist that people have any control over their lives? And in some ways, neither. No, that's true. Part of it, though, for me, was reading this, especially on the island, you know, the way they were treating the immigrants. Oh, yeah. It felt very similar to what's going on in our society yeah. right now. That's part of why I chose this because I remembered a lot of things about it and unfortunately a lot of dystopian fiction that's that was written some time ago is it's really yes it is very scary and that's why I I have trouble continuing to read it like I used to because it's just too frighteningly real I think the uh, oh sorry go ahead my wife refuses to uh, read or watch any dystopian stuff anymore. Yeah, I can understand that. Well, I just saw, it's funny because I just today. I don't blame her. <laughs> saw a uh, a cartoon. I can't remember. I think it was a New Yorker by a New Yorker cartoonist. And it was a guy in a library and he had all these books, uh, Fahrenheit 451, Brave New World, like a bunch, like a stack of books like that. And he was moving them from fiction to nonfiction section. Oh, <laughs> wow. Wow. It's kind uh-huh. of scary. And it's, a, but yeah, there was a lot of, you know, and it was interesting how, you know, in the dystopian society, you know, on the mainland and all through the world, and now even through the solar system, as they were talking about, because, mm-hmm. you know, how, Uni was basically expanding the family in space. But reducing the population on Earth. Or on Earth, basically, you know, thinning the herd out. Pretty much. Pretty, pretty much. And it was, it was just really interesting to read that. And mm-hmm. when, he, when, you know, Chip figured that out. And it was just, it was just neat because then also thinking about it, the grandfather at the very beginning of the book set everything in motion. He did, but he had yeah. great regret. You could tell that he had regret for that in a lot of different ways. And it was it was just interesting to see that and to actually, when we were reading it, you know, to go and look and, because the grandfather, you know, basically planted, you know, hey, always think of what you want, mm-hmm. not what, you know, society wants of you. Right. Right. There's a lot of different perspectives going on. And, um, you, you know, and I mean, I'm not trying to jump back into another thing. When the, the point that you raised about um, the, the society itself being um, very sexist and stuff, um, and especially with the time, but even when you think about it, even with progress, what was supposed to be progressive fiction and things like that. I mean, look at the time. I mean, 
most anything, I remember, I mean, if you think about early episodes of Star Trek and stuff, I mean, there were a lot of things that, that went on that were sexist in, in action. Um, I mean, my goodness, look at, look at James Bond or, you know, earlier James Bonds. I mean, completely sexist. And even though it's sort of supposed to be like, you know, hey, he's Mr you know, hot guy and all the women want him. But that in itself is is completely sexist. But, you know, I mean, any time in any of these films and stuff, when, when, when women have to step down based on something a man tells them to do, or, I mean... I mean, how many times in early James Bond did did a woman get slapped? Different things like that. I mean, if you look at early sitcoms, if you look at Bewitched and and all those kinds of shows too. I mean, tremendous, ter- ter- the Brady Bunch, any of that kind of stuff in the the early seventies or late sixties. Don't you think there was all it was very sexist? Um, sure. Yeah, it exists. It, it it did exist and it still exists. Right. Yeah, that's the thing. I just yeah. I just didn't I just don't expect it in my science fiction, which is supposed to be progressive. Um, and so um, yeah. and and you know, there's not really there's not really um, he's not really concerned about um, uh, like there's no concern. There's not really any strong women female characters. In Absolutely no, there's not. not one strong female uh, character in this. No, movie. actually, actually, there's one that kind of surprised me, which is the uh, the 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 one that's undercover that shows up at the end. Like I was like, oh, she seems interesting, and then oh, the okay, um, so I was like, oh, that's, why did I just blank out her name? I forgot but, her name. Yeah, but she's only in it for like right at like, this moment. Yeah. That's how strong of a character she was. <laughs> she only shows up at the well. She only shows up at the end, and then he, then he knocks her out. So I'm like, okay, well, there goes that one. Yeah. Um, but and there's also no concern for family because even though he's 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 trying to do this for you know to to try to help people, there's no sense of like obligation to his family, like his his parents or his sister at all. But that's Which, the way the society is. Nobody has that sense of obligation. Even when they were talking about in the beginning, like with with his grandfather, you um you saw your family like probably twice. Yeah, once or twice a year. Uni gave you permission to see them once or twice a year. Um, you spoke on video phone um, like every so often. Um, he had no, I mean, he talked about going to see his parents, but he had no attachment whatsoever to his sister. Um, no. But I don't think there was. Because she was a female to. character. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, well. and because, I mean, even though he was he was trying to go against that, uh, there was no, there was no, like, like he wanted to do something, but it, to me, it didn't seem to come out of a sense of obligation to help society. It seemed more like, um, it wasn't, it wasn't vengeance. I don't know what the word, I can't think yeah. of what the word might be, but it, it was, it was pretty self-centered of him actually. And yeah. I'm not saying he didn't do, he didn't do the right thing, but I didn't, I don't think he did it for like, you know, the right reasons. No, and I agree, but we're so very often a product of our environment. Um, and I mean, I do think I'm not, I'm not defending him. Please understand that. But I'm looking at the situation of all of them. How do you suddenly teach someone who's been raised to think that there is no 
that there is no expectation or I mean there is there just is none I mean their their feelings are cut off by their treatments um they're they're only supposed to look at everybody else and see I mean your parents are exactly the same to you your sister or brother exactly the same to you as every other person that you see the person out in the Park that you end up seeing and who, you know, like one time when he said he spilled his, his Coke and his other members helped with theirs and filled it up his can because they gave some of, of theirs to give him some back. There's no, um, again, I don't see where there's any reason why he would just naturally even feel that way when for his entire life, He's been programmed chemically and mentally to just not not feel it or or, or do it. But There's, the thing is, truthfully, yeah. that, there were periods in this book where I was putting the feelings he was having about like when he was in school and Carl was doing the drawings mm-hmm. and such. I almost put the same thing in a different object and thinking you know could be considered the same thing about homosexuality and so so, so, um basically being turned on by seeing those drawings and everything and then having you know oh my god i shouldn't be having these feelings about looking at these not being excited and enjoying them i need to report this person type it's almost like you know how a lot of people are drummed religion into their head all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, oh, you can't have these gay feelings or something like that. You can't have these feelings of lust about wanting to have sex with somebody or something. It's all the same thing in a lot of it ways. Is, and, I, and actually thinking about it, it's, it's kind of surprising that in a society so completely open um, that there is none of that kind of... of sexual uh fluctuation um but i i would think honestly that a lot of that is because of the time that the book was written in and the only time that you it's even mentioned is uh well i mean because in 1969 and, and stuff you didn't just be, it was the free love year it, it yeah it was but i mean if you wanted mass fiction out there the the majority of people didn't want to it, you just people didn't acknowledge if you were a homosexual. People still were afraid to tell people if but they had. Yes, uh, yes, and no. But because if you go look at books like Logan's Run, which is very similar. Oh yeah, those, very much. So. And yeah. they've had they had mass orgies and stuff, male, female, everything. True. In that, and you know, and it was basically written the same era. Actually, it, a little bit it was. Yeah, but this isn't. This is not about free love at all. This no, is. No, this, this is anti. This is. This is as anti-free love as you can get. Yeah, well, the right. only time you actually have anything like that mentioned was um, who was it? Was it Sparrow? And um, when they were meeting in the library, oh, they, they were trying the museum. Find, they were trying to find a partner for right, and it turned out that you know before before. Chip came into the group, um, the two of them were clinging to each other sexually right. at least for contact. And so, yeah, and it was just interesting. And of course, you know, 
uh, Chip also had the fantasies of, oh, maybe me, her, and Snowflake, you know, mm-hmm. can go have, you know, a thing. And Snowflake was like, ah, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> he was he was beginning to discover his sexuality because his treatments were being reduced. Which exactly. At that point, I mean, you know, like a, a, a 10 minute, as they referred to it, a 10 minute Saturday night was all that was expected. Mm-hmm. Am I supposed to say that word on the podcast? You'll be bleeped. I'm going to be bleeped? Yeah. Whatever. Wow, look at her. Look at her coming on cursing. (laughs) That's the word they used in the book. Pardon me. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's an interesting use of language in in the book. uh, uh, Yeah, that's okay. (laughs) That that is a perfectly normal word to use all the time but what hate and what was the other real and and fighting brother fighting fighting yeah yeah. you you brother fighting person you yeah yeah it's i mean it was terrible those those were horrible words i don't know but yeah there's a there's a real lack of you're right strong characters um and chip for a long time i felt was was in the right direction but but yeah and and i mean unfortunately i mean the way we're describing it the rape scene um didn't actually happen until was it the third part of the book in the third act in the third act um so um so it was like even though he was obsessed with her boobs and things like that i mean the there there was never any thought discussed of him forcing himself on her um he comes he 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 almost attacks her in the museum like that first time yes yes so so it's not really that out of character for him like it seems like i mean he barely stopped there no exactly and then when he pulled the gun on her oh well that was when he was trying to get her to come with come with him yeah yeah. Everything. So, yeah. And it was just like, yeah. So, you know, with yeah. you guys being, including myself, being first time readers, would you recommend this book? Yeah. Okay. Mike? I don't know. I mean, it was an interesting read. I, I didn't, I didn't hate reading it at all. Um, but I, I think, the dystopian stories and and stuff have been have been done better, and I think this is a this is an interesting read, but I don't know that I would say that it's a must read. Okay, all right. Like I can I can sort of understand why this one hasn't been picked up, and this one isn't as popular um, as some of the other uh, uh, Ira Levin novels. Um, it's not. It, it, yeah, there's there's an element to it that uh, you could tell he put a lot of thought into the society mm-hmm. and Unicomp and all that kind of thing. Um, although some of it just sounds like he's just making up nonsense, which is fine. You can do that in, you know, I mean, that's not really the point anyway. Um, but he puts a little thought, a lot of thought into the society. Um, I find it interesting that, you know, I mean, we're we're supposed to know like, like granted, we know who Christ and Marx are, and and, and yet uh, the other two are kind of like Bob Wood. I'm like, who is that? 
Yeah. Like they don't like, they hardly mention like what, you know, I think I, I, it, it, and it's not really necessary because, you know, he, so he, he puts all these elements out there that are not really developed. Like I could see like another author, like maybe Orwell or something going like devoting whole chapters into yeah. explaining the doctrine of these guys, you know, and how they were implemented in this society. So I'm glad it wasn't that, but, yeah. but if some people are looking for that kind of attention to detail, I, I think that uh, they're not they're not going to get it here. And then when your main character's just kind of a jerk, yeah, um, I I think it's just really difficult to to at the end of it. You're just kind of like, I don't know what to make of this, really. No, I agree with that because I almost wish I hadn't seen stuff like The Matrix and you know that type of stuff because in my head that's where I had it going. Mm-hmm. You know that maybe Uni was behind everything and maybe chip was still a kid and this is all in his head yeah and stuff remember i brought that up to you <laughs> he did yeah and, and so is this all in his head you know type thing and you know it was just like i was coming up with all these whacked out theories from movies or books i've read over the years right and it turned out more to be a james bond type ending you know the, the the computer blowing up and him flying away in the helicopter. I almost expected <laughs> to be playing. And, the, you know, da, 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 da. Yeah. Hadn't they thought of having a, a backup someplace? That's funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, Chip will return in another day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, this perfect day, part two. <laughs> oh, no. What a day. <laughs> what were you going to say, Kirby? I, I found this to be, if I sometimes have trouble with reading the dystopian novels, just getting into them and getting, getting a feeling of the society. Uh, I remember reading Clockwork Orange the first time. Uh, I, I put it down after one chapter, and then when I went back, and reread it. It was, I had no problems with it whatsoever. Uh, but this one, I had trouble for the first, maybe five pages. I'm going, mm, I'm not sure I'm going to like this. And a week, a week later, I, I picked it back up and could not put it down. This was, this novel was one of those few where basically all of my, time that I wasn't uh, working or eating. Well, even when I was eating, I was, my wife was noticing, hey, you're reading that at the table again. Uh, so that that's unusual for a lot of books for me. So I guess there was something about it. It was well-written and, and engaging to me. I will say it moved along. It didn't feel oh, very like much I didn't, so. it, it didn't feel like a chore. It, uh, I mean, I, I blew through it in a few, and I, and I think a couple days. Um, it was an easy read. Um, and it, it yeah. kept me interested enough that I was like, I, there wasn't a time where I was like, ugh, I got to pick up and read this again. It was just more like, no, I want to see what Chip's up to, you know? And because, uh, you know, as, as, as much as he wasn't uh, like, a cool guy. I mean, I, it was enough that it was like, he was the protagonist and he, and, and I did, he did move me to, um, or make me curious to see what was going to be happening next. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you'll definitely be able to, we'll have links to this book. Mm-hmm. 
up on our show notes. So you'll be able to pick it up from Amazon. It's available from Amazon. It's also available on Kindle. Mm -hmm. So you definitely can pick it up. And it's not that expensive. I think you can get a copy for like six bucks. No. But honestly, and I mean, I do want to finish this off saying, for me, for me, the... I think it's the, being, Yeah, being drawn to the book had less to do with the fact, uh, I mean, that that Chip is a jerk and um, the really horrible thing that he did, which, I mean, individually, I mean, I, I would have taken a shovel and, you know, like hit him over the head with it and then mm-hmm. put him right underground. <laughs> It sounds terrible. Um, but what I think I found so so interesting about it and what I didn't understand when I was so much younger when I read it and that, that it took me more years to get is what it actually says about um, what it says about what people are trying to create in this world. And the frightening way that it, truly what what the world guides us towards in a lot of ways. And it's not maybe as bad as this right now and stuff, but it could is, you know, this complete society um, that that doesn't think about anything other than what it's told to think about. But behind that, and I mean, the whole thing, like, like with, like I said, with Marx and everything was that, you know, the whole idea of the bourgeois, bourgeois and um, them having all the, the power and the control and stuff. And then, you know, the whole idea of just the rest of people are just, those are the people, you know? Um, And that's exactly what was being represented in the book because look at everybody that was going on in this world with the programmers and stuff and i mean it was lavish and silk clothing and and all the stuff and i mean oh, it's, like spine, working, it's like working at google too. right right <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah it's a great idea to compare it to that and stuff but i mean all these in, describing the foods that they were eating and and all these things where in the other world they're eating these totally these total cakes or whatever they're total cakes you know, um, the whole idea is that there's there's this group of of society that's completely in charge, um, and you money really doesn't mean anything in this because there is no real concept of money. But they have all the power and they have all the um, the the goods and they have all these things. And then the rest of everybody has exactly what they do. Um, but they don't question whether there's anything more because they've been conditioned and trained and drugged into thinking that um, this is all it is and they're happy and they're content and everybody is the same as everybody else. And, you know, there, there's, there's no, there's no unhappiness. Um, and that to me, I think is what has drawn me to it and drew me back as an adult to read it again. Pretty awesome. Well, thank yeah, you. thanks for the pick. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you, you. for reading it. All right. Now, see, Judy, you're supposed to say thank Uni. Thank you, Uni. Thank Uni. Uni, right. Thank, <laughs> thank Uni. And that is so creepy. <laughs> exactly. All right. So, 
we're going to be back again in a few months and doing another book review. And I've actually just come up with my next book review that we're going to do. You ready for this, guys? Okay. We're going to do On the Road by Jack Kerouac. Okay. Okay. He wants us to think very deeply. I mean, it's not science fiction. That's okay. Okay. It could be anything. Anything you're a geek about. That's what the whole podcast is about. Wow. Then you should be able to have an endless supply of things. Oh. <laughs> Wait till we get to... I almost did the stand, but I didn't want all of us to read thousands I'm of not... Um, no, I can't read that again. It scared <laughs> the crap out of me. <laughs> so... All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back in a moment with the ESO Network Con Report. Girls Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, Season 2. So, I really enjoyed Season 1. If you missed the episode I did on Season 1, you can check back a few episodes of Earth Station 1 and find it. But I was super pumped for Season 2. So much happened at the end of Season 1, and I needed to know what was going to happen to Sabrina, her friends, and everyone else, because... I was invested in these characters and their story. Season 2 started out great. Sabrina was going to the Academy of Dark Arts. She had Nick as her boyfriend. And her human friends seemed to be moving on with their lives past Season 1. Roz and Harvey had a budding relationship. Roz was or is losing her sight. So that was an issue going on. And this season also focused on a really big issue. So the character Susie has been transitioning over the entire season from a girl to a boy and decided that they wanted to start being called Theo, which is a big deal in this day and age. And so there are a few episodes that focus on their struggle at school with their family, trying to be properly gendered, everything. And this is so important since there are a lot of young people who are struggling with this now. And to see what they're going through portrayed on TV is a big deal. I really love how the show talked about gender and explained it in a way that people who know about the issues are happy with how it's being explained, while others who are not have it explained to them in a very understandable way. And also see just what these kids are going through, what these people are going through is so beneficial. And I just loved how the show really did make it in the forefront for this character because we've seen Theo grow from season one to season two. This season also had some really, really fun episodes. And my favorite, I think, was the tarot card episode since it had a very treehouse of horror feel with each character going up to the tarot card reader and seeing their story. And none of them seemed very good, but it was just really, really cool for me to see because it really had that, like, anthology Halloween feel. However, this season also spiraled into a crazy, weird, what-in-the-world moment 
towards the end when Father Blackwood seemed to go rogue and the season kind of jumped the shark a little bit. I really hope they bring it all together in season three because it started to feel like the writers were like, oh crap, we got to finish this season and just did a bunch of crazy stuff to make it end. So here's hoping. I mean, I still enjoyed it, but for the last three to four episodes, I was like, what in the world is going on? This is this just got weird. So I'm excited to see what season three is going to have because by the end of season two, it seemed like season three is going to be a big Scooby gang type thing. But overall, I enjoyed season two. I'm excited to see what season three brings and interested to see how Lilith being the queen of hell will go too. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. For the week of May 15th, 2019, it's the ESO Network Con Report. Well, there are two events coming up at the end of May, at the end of this month, where you can find ESO folks at. And uh, we'll start with the Atlanta area, May 24th through the 26th. It is Treklanta. This is uh, the Southeast's um, uh, celebration of all things Star Trek, which includes a lot these days uh, with that new show, Discovery. Um, and uh, the Nerd Bliss will be covering it for the ESO Network, the new Nerd Bliss folks. I know Chris and Dan will be there. Uh, I, I think Dean is going to be there too, but I'm not so sure. So, But I do know that Chris and Dan will be there and they'll be participating in panels too. So you can, you can say howdy to them. Um, and also that week, uh, up in the New England area, where, oddly enough, Mike is right now, uh, May 25th. So if you stick around, Mike, you can see on May 25th, you can see God's Comics, which is Kevin Eldridge's band uh, that reunites every 10 years. Uh, they are performing at the Hearing Room in Lowell, Massachusetts. Uh, you can find out more information about that to get tickets. Uh, go to hearingroom.net. Uh, and you can find out all about God's Comics. They are a cover band that plays monkeys, uh, songs from the monkeys, Elvis Costello, and uh, there's one that I'm forgetting. Oh, Men at Work. That's the other one. Uh, so uh, go right together. So exactly, don't they? Though uh, you know Kevin, he'll make it work. So. Um, so, uh, so those are the events that you can find uh, new at, for ESO Network folks. Uh, there's plenty of events that we're still getting in for the summer, so we should have those for you in the next report. So uh, watch this space, and uh, please send us your cons that you think we should cover, promote, participate in, because we love talking about conventions. So this is going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us. Judy, thank you so, so much for this book pick. It was awesome. Thank you, Annie. Thank you, Annie. <laughs> is there anything you want to shout out about or anything you want to chat about real quick? Uh, no, just it, it was great fun talking with you guys about this. And really, I'm so glad that whether... Whatever your feelings were, because it doesn't matter about that, but that, that you all read the book. That's awesome. 
Thank you, thank you. So you'll be part of the book club now. So you're yeah. part of us. Oh, wow. Maybe I'll have to pick some trashy romance. One of us. One of us. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and of course, Kirby, thank you, sir. Uh, thanks for uh, putting up with me every time we do one of these. And thanks for... Uh, the- Kirby, you're awesome. <laughs> Judy, thanks for for the interesting book. That's not it's one I would not have thought of reading. Then I'm glad. That makes it all the more worthwhile. And right. and I feel the same way about anything that um I get to read because of you including me in this. Thank you, Dad. It's awesome. Because yeah, you haven't read a lot of the different science fiction stuff, really sci fi stuff. I have, but not a lot of the stuff that that, I've that told you guys you yeah, that you have told me about. Read a lot of other sci-fi, but different things. Okay, yeah, that's, well, that's one of the reasons why we do this. So I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that we keep doing it because it sure isn't about the ratings. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> as long as we're having fun, we shall do this. So there you go. I'm happy, Kirby. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? Um, just that I can always be found on the uh, 20 megabyte Doctor Who podcast, two zero MB. Doctor Who podcast, where we are going through the journey, watching every uh, Doctor Who story. We are just about to do. Uh, oh, what what we just do? <laughs> oh, we we just ran through Paris with uh, with Tom Baker. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, when I'm not part of the of the SL network, but I hope I'm glad you guys consider me a friend of the, of the network. Oh, you are very. It was awesome actually hanging out with you at Atlanta. So I had so much fun hanging out with you. Thank you. <laughs> and too bad we can't hang out at Conque. Oh. Well, next year they they announced a date. They did. Yeah. Awesome. We're we're up in the wilds of Maine. We don't see that kind. Oh, of yeah, so what's let me, the date? Let me find it. I think it's uh, June. <laughs> Sorry for that. I tried to throw something at Mike. <laughs> Let me find the group. My Another group. Con. Ah. It was announced just today. Oh, wow. But I need to find it. Be more. Of course, this would come up when I didn't have it in front of me. Got it right here. You do? Con K is June 6th and 7th, 2020. They're back at the Holiday Inn Research Park in Huntsville. Woo! Nothing about anyone who's stars or anything yet, but... It's early. It's early. Give it time, and we will be there. So, it should be cool. And Kirby will be there. Oh, yeah. I have never missed a Con K. Well, okay, then. Well, then, well, since they started inviting us, we haven't either. So, there you go. And Mr. Mike, you made it through another one, my friend. We did. And as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you're going to shout out about? I do. I have to give a shout out to some folks on our network. Uh, two in particular, two two podcasters on the ESO network that have joined us just fairly recently. Um, one is Sean Vanderloo, who joined us for our box office preview episode, um, summer movie preview episode. Um, he just celebrated episode 100 of the soul forge podcast Yay. Uh, it's, 
it's all about birthday sex. Um, so, um, yeah. Uh, so Look, I, I, I told Sean this the other day when he was, when we went off Saturday the air for 10 minutes. <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> we, I, I, sh- I, I told Sean this, uh, when we went off the air, um, uh, a couple, well, yeah, a few weeks ago after we did the summer movie thing, I really admire what he's doing with his podcast. He's, he's unlike a lot of other podcasts out there. He's really, uh, uh, shooting from the heart and talking about things that a lot of people don't talk about. Um, very brave of him to throw, like to put himself out there. And I, I just think that uh, people should give it a listen because he's doing some amazing things. So, um, so give a shout out to him. And then also uh, another guy who who joined us just fairly recently, uh, last week, in fact, uh, is Kevin, Kevin Eldridge from the Flopcast. They just celebrated their seventh anniversary. That's been seven years of the Flopcast, and they've recorded a Flopcast or released one every week, every single week since May 2012. That's, um, that's pretty amazing, and that's a great show as well. I, I definitely, that I mean, talk about someone who's unique. And, and that show is very unique. It's very silly. It's also straight from the heart, uh, but uh, in a very silly way. So uh, these, those are two, two shows I'm proud to have on the network. Yes, I'm proud of all our shows on our network, which you can find now on any of your favorite media players under the ESO Network banner. You can just search up ESO Network, and all our shows are all on one feed. So it's almost like a big radio station, but it's all you know, basically on demand. It's actually pretty awesome. You know what, Mike? What? It's almost like you reversed I almost did. You know, I, I was sitting in front of a mirror all day today just saying, you know what, folks? You know. Yes. Yes, exactly. I watched you. Exactly. <laughs> As I was driving up from Rhode Island. So, <laughs> yep. Yeah, uh, my actually shout out actually was going to be Sean hitting 100 episodes also with the Soul Forge. So Mike Gordon already beat me to that one. But I also, actually, what it ties into is the other person he spoke of. Uh, wanted to give a real quick shout out to Kevin and his lovely wife, Felicity. We actually joined them uh, on Saturday night up here in Boston. And we were in their neck of the woods. We almost made it to Chicken Town. But they actually met us at a restaurant right outside the city limits. And so we actually had a great great time. It was a wonderful time with them and wanted to give a great shout out to them. And we had a loss. And we, you know, we talked all about all kinds of things and we didn't even make it all podcast stuff, which is even better. So, you know, (laughs) I told them I didn't want this to be business, but, you know, so we talked all about, you know, fun stuff and, you know, we talked a, bit, a little bit about Dragon Con and different cons and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And we just had a blast. And, you know, it's always nice when you can actually consider people you're working with on the network friends. And, you know, and that's what I get to do. Kirby's a friend and, you know, he's on the shows. You know, Sean is a friend. He's up in Canada. I haven't met him in person yet. And, you know, Judy, I'm married to her. She's my best friend. And but what about Mike Gordon? Mike Gordon's my podcast wife so he's just as important to us <laughs> have a second wife huh Thanks. no third oh i'm not i'm not going there okay <laughs> i love mike gordon so that's a good thing. and i love you too judy yay hey before this gets too serious <laughs> please don't forget to write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com 
or call us at 404-963-9057. Also, next week, we are finally doing it. Winter has come and gone. Thank goodness. Except up here in Maine, we're supposed to get snow tomorrow. So, (laughs) So, you know, but... Game of Thrones, it's coming to an end. So we are going to talk, be talking all about its final season. I'm going to cry. Oh, this last week almost put you into shock. So definitely we're going to be talking all about it. It's going to be a blast, and we got a great crew already lined up for it. But until then, my name is Mike Faber. We'll see you here next time on your Station One Podcast. Peace. And we're done. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Air Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our Tee Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.